Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. We are back. Dr. Wiles, Katie Reed Hodges, and myself, Luke Stair, talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, continuing to walk through the Gospel of John. Uh, I had a great time with this conversation, and we hope that it is both enjoyable and formative for you as you seek to live life with God. Okay, we're back in the podcast studio, all three of us today, Monday morning, and we're continuing a fun conversation and enlightening conversation on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so amen. let's... Amen. A- amen. Amen, amen. We all As thought we of a lot about. of different ways this podcast could go. There's a lot of content today. So it's going to be fun. I think we've ironed it out. I think we've yeah. ironed it out. We'll see how we do. You can rate us at the end. Maybe it'll be long. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it could be the shortest one we yet. We will let the Spirit guide us. <gasps> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> okay, well, I thought we might just jump in mm-hmm. to the text. Good you, place to start. Yeah. Why so not? you, why not? Why I don't not? know. It is, it is a Baptist why, church. Why not? It is Dennis Walls. It is the book of John, which yes. we love. And yes. so yesterday you preached through uh, a segment of John 16, 7 through 15. And as we were talking about this, I just kind of posed the question, like, is this the craziest thing that Jesus ever says? Mm-hmm. Because conversely, he says things like earlier in John 6, uh, eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Mm-hmm. A little challenging. A little well, so challenging that many people <laughs> turned away after he said it, right? And that, yeah, how that story early goes. Christians were known as cannibals because of this. Yes, and then yeah, and he says, uh, "Hey, y'all going to turn away too?" And they say, "Well, we don't know where else we'll go." That's so, right. I mean, it's a little more encouraging. But okay, so that might be the craziest thing Jesus <laughs> mm-hmm. says. But then he, I mean, this is in this discourse, he's saying, "I'm reading it from verse seven. It's good for you that I am going away." Mm-hmm. What? I How mean, could it God, be <laughs> what could be better than Jesus? <laughs> it's wild. And he said, I mean, he, he gives an answer, but mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm sitting there, I'm not believing it. Mm-hmm. There's no way that at the end of that, unless the spirit moved, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way at the end of that little, you know, couple sentences that I'm like, okay, good. Well, see ya. Mm-hmm. See ya, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let's get this new thing. No, mm-hmm. I would say you're wrong. Right. I don't want that trade. <laughs> Keep me here. So, Pastor, when you read that, what do you see? Yeah. I mean, you talked about some of the Greek yesterday, mm-hmm. the proof. Proving, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, Linco. Linco. Well, you know, you think about it. What What are we, 50 years later, John's writing this, give or take? Yeah. So he's had yeah. a Tom. lifetime of reflection. Mm-hmm. All the other apostles have been martyred. Now, how much of that John knows, I'm not sure. But I, I'm going to give John credit for knowing some a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, if you think John doesn't know what's happened to Peter and Paul, then I think you're not clued into what was going on in the Christian community in those days. Yeah. They, they knew about these famous Christians. Well, we know that John was in touch with churches in Asia Minor, yes. where Paul would have had Paul a shared have, ministry. Mm-hmm. So, we, so, um, so he, yeah, so he's gotten, he's gotten the news of here. some things. Uh-huh. People have died. Correct. For their faith in And Jesus. so, in right. that the text just prior to what we read yesterday, you know, when Jesus said, now, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues, and when they kill you, they will be killing you, acting like they're serving God. They're Another making, crazy statement, right? right. <laughs> so once when again, they kill you, not if, right? When when people start killing you, so and and by the way, I'm leaving you. So now you're 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 this Jewish group, and you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. 
people are going to kill you, and they're offering a sacrifice to God, an offering to God, rather, when they kill you, mm -hmm. and I'm leaving you. <laughs> so that's quite a lineup. Welcome to the Jesus way. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Which, when we talk about, I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but uh, a teaser, we talk about global Christianity. Mm -hmm. I mean, our Ashley, our cross cultural minister, mm -hmm. has reminded me that today— in the in the world, when new believers come to faith in certain areas, part of their baptism is, are you ready to die? Correct. That's yes? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Correct. I mean, for Jesus. Right. Right. It's mm -hmm. not just dying, mm -hmm. but that's, exactly that's the right. commitment you're making. So this isn't just New Testament Christianity. Right. It's what's happening. Today. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we might consider that along mm -hmm. our baptism, that's alongside right. our baptism. Mm -hmm. But Yes. So Okay. Well, it's just sets the... To me, that sets the stage. Yes, and so it's no for wonder the that power Jesus, of the Spirit. I mean, the, say, the says, we should elevate our view. I see that you're grieving. Well, <laughs> I think they're just in shock, you know, as much as anything mm -hmm. that Jesus is going to leave them. And as you've said before, Katie, they pretty much left everything. This, like this, this group of people has left everything. And I think there's also this, we're Thursday night. You know, in the middle of Passover week, there's a lot of tension in the air. There's a lot of, um, I think, heightened expectation. I mean, if you think about what precedes this, if you back up to John 11, where Jesus, you know, where we hear this news that Lazarus is sick. And so they've left Judea. They're in Galilee because Jesus was being threatened. People were trying to kill him. So they leave. They get the message, Lazarus is sick. Jesus doesn't respond. Um, I, uh, I, I did a funeral the other day for um, a guy who was a first responder. Mm -hmm. And I said, so here's the original 911 call mm -hmm. from Bethany to Galilee, and Jesus doesn't answer. And I just, you know, I said, I know when you get a 911 call, you're assuming <laughs> that somebody's going to respond. And Jesus mm -hmm. says, no, I'm not going to go. And he waits a couple of days, if y'all remember. Then he says, actually, Lazarus is asleep, so I'm going to go. And they're like, well, Lord, you know, they, they want to kill you. And then Thomas, of all people, says, well, let's just go die with him, you know. So they have in their mind, he's going to Jerusalem for a showdown with the Sanhedrin, evidently. And, um, and they're thinking, he's, they're afraid, I think, that he's literally mm -hmm. going to die. And... Um, and what that what they don't know is there's a much bigger plan. Jesus always has a plan that's grander and greater than ours. He's actually going to Jerusalem for a showdown with Satan, not just the Sanhedrin. Mm. You know, and, and he's going there not to grieve Lazarus necessarily. He's going to give them all a glimpse of the kingdom of God just to show where death doesn't always win. But nevertheless, all that's kind of in the background. And I can only imagine, so I, I feel like they're thinking, okay, this could be it. We're, we're going right back into the lion's den, so to speak. And so they get there, and what does Jesus do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. Well, I, I would be encouraged at that moment thinking, well, if they kill Jesus, I think, who knows what? I mean, he <laughs> just raised right. Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> Maybe there's hope here. Mm. But then all of a sudden it takes this serious turn on Thursday night where he starts saying things like, well, now when they kill you, when you get kicked out of the synagogue, and it's like, well, Oh, and and I'm leaving. Wow! And mm -hmm. but then Jesus says, "I'm going to make sure that this Paraclete, this Advocate, comes." 
And He's going to do things for you that you don't really understand yet. And He's not only going to do them for you, He's going to be at work in this whole world in a way and at a level that you've never dreamed or imagined even possible. Yeah. And so it's like the it's age just, of the couldn't spirit. couldn't have understood. No, right. no way. Yeah. And I think that's why, again, John's writing this in retrospect. You know, he's he was there at Pentecost. He saw the Spirit of God descend. He mm-hmm. felt it. He experienced it himself. And so he's seen the witness and the power of the Spirit for 50 years now. That's why I think he, as he's writing this, I think he's writing it almost with um, a, just confidence that this has actually happened. <laughs> you know, the Spirit's been given and we've seen him convict people of sin. You know, when Jesus says, well, you're going to convict him, he's going to convict them of sin so that they will understand my way, that they'll believe in me. Mm-hmm. And as I said Sunday morning, why would a group of Jews stake their eternity on a crucified Jew? I mean, that's kind of a... <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's not a great start. <laughs> right, you know, but, mm. but the Spirit of God translates that. And, um, you know, Jesus... Is, is the Savior of the world. And so the Holy Spirit is making all that known. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think Jesus was exactly right. The Spirit of God has come, and, um, and He has initiated a new era, a new age, if you will. And look at what else happened. Look, look at what's happened. Look at how the Spirit of God has worked. And, and the Spirit of God was working then. You know, mm-hmm. he was, it worked. I mean, I think in Jesus, you know, that's why Jesus had that perspective. He knew he wasn't just going to Jerusalem to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was going for the final showdown. He knew that. Mm-hmm. His plan was bigger than theirs. He wasn't just going to comfort Martha and Mary. He was going to comfort Martha and Mary, of course. He wasn't just going to grieve. He would grieve. Mm-hmm. But there was something else afoot. Yeah. And that's how mm. it is today, I would say. Mm. The Spirit of God's at work today in ways that we don't know or imagine. Mm. You know. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, that's and that leads into the question I was I had, and that's I think a practical one, and that's how do we become aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in this context here now? And we're going to talk more about get off your care. phone. <laughs> I think that's a really good start. There's my answer. Yeah, um, just kidding, but not yeah. really. No, that's a really good. Unless start, you're listening to your pod, to the podcast on that's your right, phone, that's right. And then you just keep that phone <laughs> yeah, going. That's right. No, but I mean, I'll even confess. You know, I am. a vocational minister. I'm a paid professional holy person. Mm-hmm. I have been following Jesus since I was a child. And I still, you know, I'll hear stories of spiritual encounters. And my first reaction and my first instinct is to spin it in a secular narrative mm-hmm. of this is a series of coincidences. Ra- irrational. This is irrational. This is cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. to not see things mm-hmm. through a spiritual lens. Right. And if I'm this way, look, I'm you're afraid. saying we had we had an encounter in the Welcome Center yeah. yesterday, and we won't tell details. Right. But a person told they the have story a story. They have a the testimony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my first gut reaction, which I checked in myself and felt conviction for, is mm-hmm. to think of it as yeah. coincidence yeah. and not think of it as the very real and plausible yeah. and biblical activity of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So how do we, as very modern Westerners, with secular kind of frames of mind, this first floor living that we've talked about, how do we become aware of the work that the Holy Spirit's doing in our context here and now? Because we don't think of the West as a very spiritual Mm. place. Teach us, Dennis Wiles. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a great question and a great perspective. I think it does help us to be engaged with people who find this quite natural. Mm. You know, people who live in places where the Spirit spiritual world is so real to them that this would be a foreign conversation to them. So, for example, um, last time I was in Sierra Leone, 
um, with Pastor Emmanuel, and um, and he's this incredible church planter partner mm. that our church works with and through. And so we uh, we're going to this village way up in the far country in uh, in Sierra Leone, and he tells us um, we already knew this story. He had told us before, but he said, "Just want you to know that the last time that I tried to come through here." Um, this particular area, uh, there was a chief here who's, who's not happy with us. And so he set up a couple of roadblocks. He had some trees felled along the road. Oh, literal. Literally trees yeah. felled along the road that he knew would, we would not be able to get around. And so we, we had an entourage, a whole group of people, and we got stopped there. And it's a long story, but basically he sent a group of folks, and they threatened Emmanuel, their life threatened to kill all of them. Mm. They had uh, there were several church planters in this little group had their wives with them, and so the first thing was to just kill their wives. So I mean the kind of thing where they literally get people out of the vehicles and just say we're not we're not going to have this. And, and and you're stuck because <laughs> there's trees <laughs> trees on the road. On the road. Yeah, and I'm and guessing it's narrow. You can't just uh, yeah, go around, and, turn and, around. And I'm that using kind of road thing. very loosely. It's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, right. it's a path if you will. It's up yep. in the mountains. So um, Emmanuel. Just says to this chief, you know, we're we're here to help. We're not, you know, you're not going to kill us today. Mm-hmm. That's not what's going to happen. Uh, I've got to go and visit these people that are up here past your village, and um, and I'm going, and and we're and my whole crew's going with me, and y'all are going to we're going to move these trees, and mm-hmm. so anyway, um, and so that happened. Now, that, now previous to that, one of the uh, uh, one of his workers there actually had been shot on a motorcycle up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some strange reason, he was wearing, now Emmanuel test, not strange, he was wearing his backpack backwards, and he got shot in the chest, and the bullet lodged in his backpack, actually in his Bible. Mm. So Emmanuel told the, the chief that, you've already tried to kill one of my evangelists up here, you know, it didn't work. So anyway, so that's where we're going. Yeah. So we, mm. we're driving with several vehicles, and we stop to get something to drink, kind of take a break, and we'll know where all of a sudden this motorcycle drives up, two motorcycles. Well, I don't know any of these people. And Emmanuel has a very animated conversation, you know, with, with these people. And so they all leave. So Emmanuel calls me and Gabe and several of us over. And he says, um, okay, remember me telling you all about the chief here that tried to kill us last time we were here? Yeah. Well, that was him and one of his associates. And he wanted to know, what are you, I've already told you, don't come up here anymore. And Emmanuel said, well, do you see all this um all these things on these vans and everything. These are medical supplies. And we're going up here to this village and we're going to do a medical clinic. And uh, we're going we're gonna to treat these people, their diseases, you know. And the, the chief said, why are you doing that? I've already told you if you come up here, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen to mm-hmm. you. He said, no, you know, I'm not going to do anything with all these white people. With you know, because he was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I just want to know what's going on. Manuel said, well, these people are all friends of mine. And they're going to do this. And so the chief said, well, how much money is it going to cost? And he said, well, it's not going to cost anything. It's free, you know. And the chief said something like, so what would happen if I showed up? Mm. And Emmanuel said, well, if you showed up, we would treat you. That's, that's what we do. So Emmanuel said, y'all, we knew we were going to have spiritual warfare. I think the chief came just to intimidate me, just to remind me this is his area, not my area. Mm-hmm. He said, so, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm. It's uncomfortable. So we've stopped. And he said, we need to pray right now that the Spirit will give us strength to withstand this. He said, because my people are not scared. That wouldn't be the right word. They knew who, they had been with Emmanuel mm-hmm. before. So when they saw this guy drive up, they're thinking, oh, my goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Emmanuel said, so we all got together. We prayed that God would give us a spirit of power, not fear, that we're here to do good in the name of Jesus. So, well, so we go. Well, next day, sure enough, here comes the chief, you know, on a motorcycle with his guy. And um, and he was he wanted to know if we'd actually treat him. So we did. And um, well, he he finishes. So he asked Emmanuel, he says, Who is who is in charge of all this? Well, Emmanuel pointed to me because Emmanuel said, Well, here's here's kind of the over shepherd of, of all of this. So the chief wanted to meet me. So he comes and meets me. We have a conversation. Um, he didn't. He speaks English, but he wouldn't speak English to me, which mm. I thought was interesting. Mm. Nevertheless, I had a translator. So, yeah. um, chief says, "Okay, thanks us, leaves." I hear in a little while. Here he comes back with his whole family, his wife, children, and he says, "Will you treat them?" Emmanuel says, "Absolutely." Well, we get to the end of the week, y'all, and then he comes up and says, "Okay, obviously I was wrong." Apologizes to Emmanuel and says, would you bring this same thing to my village? Well, now there's a church in that village two years later. Hmm. And so in Emmanuel's mind, this is all spiritual warfare. This is all just you're on the you're in new territory. Mm-hmm. You're on the edge, if you will. And this is just what you've got to do to be on the edge. And so I'm sitting there watching all this play. I'm going, oh, my goodness, you know, this guy here, you know, six months ago tried to kill you. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to treat him and his family which obviously is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, so to me, experiences like that remind me and help me in my own life here to be looking for just the voice of the Spirit in my normal everyday life. It's not as dramatic for me necessarily as it was when I'm on the edge of new territory for the gospel being shared. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's where there's the spiritual warfare is so powerful. I almost think that sometimes the devil knows that if he were manifested such in this culture, it'd probably create a revival <laughs> in the West. That's very know? possible. <laughs> because people would go, oh, my goodness, this actually is yeah, real. There's something to this. Right. So mm-hmm. what I would say is what I'm doing now is I'm every day as I start my day, one of the things I ask God for is for him to make me aware of every spiritual opportunity and encounter and to just be sensitive to the to the whisper of the Spirit. Mm. So. That's it's, a beautiful prayer. That's what I do every morning. Mm-hmm. It's even happened to me already today. Mm-hmm. I was out walking today and ran into someone, and we're talking, and the next thing you know, the conversation turns to a spiritual mm-hmm. conversation about some things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And um, but, but I was ready for it. It's like I was listening. I was wondering, is this person going to say anything? Am I going to say anything? It wasn't like I wasn't engaged in the conversation, but I, my antenna, mm-hmm. just I just finished praying. I was walking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm looking for every day. Mm-hmm. I think— to one of the things that some of our staff have been doing as a regular practice of listening prayer, which is just this posture of learning to sit in silence and kind of almost like practicing tuning a radio mm-hmm. to just hone in on learning to listen to God. But what you're talking about, I think, is what Paul's really getting at when he says to pray constantly in First Thessalonians 5.17. The other thing I, I thought about this morning, and I think it's probably the Spirit laying on my heart, is for those of us living in the West— I think it is important to recognize that this frame of mind that we have that discounts even among Christians the possi- possibility of mm-hmm. spiritual reality, mm-hmm. um, That's I think Paul would describe that as a power or a principality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Maybe. thinking about, he, he might, mm-hmm. I think too about Romans 12, um, which is don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Mm-hmm. So in our culture, we've got to resist being conformed to this pattern of thinking mm-hmm. that 
there is nothing spiritual, mm-hmm. but instead we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which is the spirit's work mm-hmm. within us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know some of you maybe all even listening are like, this is a little bit kooky mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because I can be that way. Mm-hmm. When I hear people talk about the Holy spirit, mm-hmm. I can easily think this is kooky. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go read my Bible now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it is kooky. That's the mm-hmm. thing. That's we, right. we have observed some kookiness, sure. but we have to reserve yeah. that there's mm. good to it mm-hmm. as well. And I think, we I think being ready, I like the image of tuning a radio. I just think the, you know, here, Here's what I say. The Spirit of God is at work right now in this world, and He's not asking your permission or mine. So no. He's at work. So you can either be connected mm-hmm. to Him and try to tune in and try to be sensitive or not, but it's not going to change the fact that He's working. Now, what will change is your experience of it in your life, um, for sure. You can totally miss that. And that's a sad thing, you know, to think if you would miss out on opportunities that the Spirit's putting before you. Um you know, I would rather experience them, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in seminary years ago, I think I told y'all the last time I think we talked about this, one of the conversations in the theological realm mm-hmm. in those days was the whole charismatic phenomenon. Yeah. Well, um, this revival that took place at Asbury Seminary in 1970 was a profound thing. And um, and so one of my professors at, at seminary was a man named Jack Gray. He was a missions professor. He did spiritual formation, was one of his areas of expertise. He had also taught preaching. I think he taught a number of things in the years past. But Dr. Gray had, a, um, in his early life at Southwestern, supposedly had a reputation of being a pretty hard-edged professor mm. and, um, and wanting to make sure that you, know, you um, earned your, your grades with him. But he began praying in the late 60s when there was so much happening across America for a revival at Southwestern. And so he said that one day, and it was in the middle of kind of the beginnings of the whole charismatic movement, well, this revival breaks out at Asbury. So the Dr. Naylor at the president seminary at the time, they decided to invite some of these students from Asbury to Southwestern to just explain what happened. Mm-hmm. And then um, they have this. They had this very memorable chapel experience at Southwestern mm. that really shaped a whole generation of people when those guys came to speak. Um, well, Dr. Gray says, he told us, he said, you know, I was this kind of hardened um, professor. And he said, and I was in this prayer group and I began praying for this revival. And he said, all of a sudden I began to get the conviction from the Spirit of God. What if I want to change you? And so he said he shared that with a couple of his colleagues. And he said, and then one day he was praying And he said he felt like the Lord said, I might just give you the gift of tongues. Mm. Of all people. Of all people. Mm. Yeah. And Dr. Gray said, I panicked. Mm. And I told God, you can't give me the gift of tongues. So, And and if you give it to me, I'm not going to use it. So Mm. so you're just going to wait. That's a bold prayer. Yeah. And then he said, all of a sudden, he found himself going, who am I to be saying these kinds of things to Mm. God? Mm -hmm. And he said, it changed his life. And he finally told the Lord, just give me whatever you want to give me. And I'll deal with the consequences because he knew full well in that day and time, you know, if he became a tongue speaking, yeah. you know, charismatic, I highly mm-hmm. doubt he'd be teaching his yeah, at an seminary. academic institution mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. that didn't happen. But what did happen was it completely it changed him. him. Yeah. And he he is the professor at Southwestern. The other professors I had were incredible. And there were a lot of experiences I had and I'm indebted to all of them. But I would say my spiritual sensitivity 
was turned by Jack Gray. Mm. And he challenged me to move out of that intellectual realm all the time and become more experiential. Mm. And he's my role model in that. Mm. So years later, I'm at um, a funeral of one of his colleagues at at, at um, Gamble Street. I was already pastoring here. And um, I saw Dr. Gray's in a wheelchair and um, had a blanket over his legs. You know, it was cold. <coughs> and um, one of his family members was with him. And I looked, I thought, that's Dr. Gray. So I went over and I spoke to, I think it was his daughter, and I said, this is Dr. Gray. And she said, yeah, but he won't know who you are. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's at that point. So I kneeled down in front of him, y'all. He looked at me and he said, Dennis Wiles. Mm. Mm. I said, Dr. Gray. Because when I was getting ready to leave seminary at one point, I went to see him. And he's the man who basically spoke a word into my life to keep me at the seminary. Mm. And I said, yes, Dr. Gray. And he said, you remember that day you came by to see me? About that. Uh, my office. His daughter's looking at me like, I said, of course I remember that. He said, you know, I pray for you every day. I said, Thank you. And a little tear just kind of went down his cheek. And y'all, I just, I just, I was kneeling. I mean, I'll never forget it. And I thought, this is the man mm -hmm. that changed me. Mm -hmm. And here he is all these years later. And even in a yeah. weakened state, wow. he's still a mighty man what of God. <laughs> you know? What a moment. So, you know, so have I seen the Holy Spirit? Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, um, the Spirit of God, y'all. A couple of years ago, I think I might have told the story in here because it was formational to me and Ryan. Probably been five or six years. We went to um, Missio Alliance, which is kind of part of this new wave mm -hmm. of ecumenical, multi-denominational centrist movement, which missional focus. Yeah, which uh, DW are on the cusp That's of right. telling our church more about mm -hmm. that. But I'll let you do that. But we went to Missio. Ryan went with me, and um, it, it was very refreshing as far as denominational conferences go. I mean, <laughs> N.T. Wright was the keynote speaker. The breakout sessions were all just super encouraging and great people. Some Virginia Baptists were there, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the keynote speakers was Greg Boyd, who I don't agree with everything Greg Boyd says, mm -hmm. but he just told a very simple story about an encounter with a demon. And Ryan and I both were like, which, for context, if you're not up on the theological world, Greg Boyd is probably one of the mo more prolific theological writers of our time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he he is an open theist, mm -hmm. so his views on God's um, our interaction with God in the world, I don't quite agree with all that. But he just told a very simple story about interacting with a demon, kind of like you, Luke, where he said, I interacted with this girl, it was a girl, many times. And it wasn't until like the third time that I thought, oh, this is a demon. Like he had dismissed and rationalized mm -hmm. what was going on within mm -hmm. her. And then he just said something like, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, get out. And it, and the demon did. And it was mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I, my whole world has changed. You know, mm -hmm. it would be like me interacting with someone. And then on the third time saying, oh my gosh, I've got to take this more seriously. Mm -hmm. and, and it just captivated me and Ryan and convicted us mm -hmm. that we had not, in practical terms, Worked on acknowledging the whole the role of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and honestly the the darker spirit right. spiritual realm within American life, and so he that he spoke that was the main session, but then he had these little pop up sessions and Ryan and I just followed him around because mm -hmm. we were like we we felt conviction and mm -hmm. you know we can go to another seminar on uh, the New Testament or something right. like that, but we've done a lot of that mm -hmm. in our you know theological education and church life. What we haven't done a lot of is just um, spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. and so we just followed. We just followed him around. We talked to him because it was small enough we could do that, and it really shaped 
me and Ryan and our thinking or just conviction, awareness of our lacking of what's going on around us in kind of a cosmic battle type sense. Cause mm-hmm. that sounds, that's where you get a little kooky. You can, mm-hmm. yep. you can, every flat tire is spiritual warfare, right. you know, right. but we had probably the pendulum had swung so much on the other side after coming out of academic seminary for mm-hmm. years and that mm-hmm. kind of thing to where we had to reassess mm-hmm. and find a, a middle of the road approach. Yeah. And I think to, if, to spiritual warfare mm-hmm. in our life. I think if you're looking for that middle of the road, because I think there are excesses on the Pentecostal side. I of course. coached my cousin through leaving a Pentecostal church over some excesses very recently. And so if you are around people who think the Holy Spirit is something they can control or manipulate, mm-hmm. that's magic. That's and God explicitly forbids mm-hmm. that. Uh, and you cannot manipulate or control the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So if you're around people who mm-hmm. are coming at the spiritual side of life with that attitude that this is something I control, mm-hmm. I manipulate, I can do things that will make yeah. God do I things. I can put on display. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the story you've told, story about Greg Boyd, when we approach the Holy Spirit with this mindset that we are not ultimately able to control, manipulate, or direct mm-hmm. the activity of God through the Spirit, we can only ever yield yeah, to it. Yeah, if anything, it. it's the other way around, right? Mm-hmm. Um that's the healthy approach. And you may find people who are way more comfortable in a charismatic mm-hmm. way of practicing their faith, but they're they're yielding. And they may take you places that you just don't feel comfortable, but I think that's because of the frame of mind that we have, not because they're doing something that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. If their attitude and disposition are about yielding, mm-hmm. I think they're that's on the right different. track. That's if right. they're about control or manipulation of the Spirit, mm-hmm. that's a place you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you good. know, I, I heard Joel Gregory, he told the story years ago in one of his sermons about how a, a farmer would get up every morning and climb up to the top of his house and point the weather vane because he would say, this is the direction uh. I need the wind to blow today. <laughs> and then he would come back down and then he, he would wait and then the the wind would come and, you know, turn it whichever way. And Joel just said, mm. "That's how we are. Sometimes we, we're going to show, show the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're going. Here's what you're going to do." Mm. And he said, you, "What you realize yeah. is that's just not how it works." And that is true. I think when you think you're when you can manipulate the Holy Spirit and call upon Him, it's like you've got Him in your hip pocket. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit. Then you know, the yeah. Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, we're not going to manipulate Him, um, mm-hmm. but I do believe we yield to Him. And I think if we if we're not sensitive to him, it's it's really it's our loss, really. Yeah. You know, and mm. so, um, and I, you know, I I've got that intellectual bent for sure. That's why I believe I do believe the Lord worked it out um, because I I didn't even know I had no idea who Jack Gray was when I was signing up for my classes. Um, didn't know anybody that knew him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just a name on a, back in those days, literally on a piece of paper. You know, and I just knew I needed that class, and he was one of the ones who taught it. And I had no idea the impact that man was going to have on mm-hmm. my life to this very day, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, I think being around those kind of people that are in tune with the Spirit of God, that's another way to get connected. So that's one of the yeah. things I would encourage people to do to, you know, to to find those folks in your life who are really deep Christians, who, who are just really godly, um, you know, um, uh, that's what people used to say about Dallas Willard all the time. You know, John Ortberg said he would go visit Dallas Willard, and it would just, <laughs> it would just mm-hmm. so humble him because this man just walked with God. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was yeah. just so obvious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget. He, he said he went to see him one time and at home for the first time, 
And he said he got into his home and he said he got, he got to looking around and he said, you know, to, to, to ask the question, you know, is Dallas Willard um, austere? Is he humble and quiet? He said, he said, you know, the guy, it, it's like he was just totally unenamored, mm. you know, but he was so full of the spirit and so interested in spiritual things and having your heart shaped by the spirit of God. Ortberg said, I just, he says, like, sometimes I felt like I almost couldn't even be around him, <laughs> you know, mm. but I was drawn to him. Well, mm. we have people like that. We know? do. And hanging out with those kind of yeah, people. Yeah, we actually have people like that at First Baptist Arlington. We do. We absolutely, we do. Really? Yes, we do. We've got some and saints among I'm us. I'm telling you, I love some of these folks that have been with him a long time, and I, I, I love to hear their perspective, you know, and how they pray. That's another thing mm. I would say, a way to get in tune with the Spirit of God is is to learn how to pray with somebody who who prays in the spirit. That's another thing that's influenced me. You know, uh, I, I I've told people this before. When I used to go by Dr. Gray's office and we would kneel to pray, I was afraid to open my eyes because I just knew Jesus was going to be standing mm. there. And it would freak me out. Mm. <laughs> you know, that is how it felt. You know, yeah. And so, but what a gift, right? Yeah. To be yes in the presence of someone like that who's yes. willing to spend time with you and shape yes. you. And and like I said, here I am all these years later. And I can't tell you how many times I think of Dr. Gray, just mm-hmm. just because of how he's shaped me. Now, mm-hmm. other professors, my goodness, Dr. Estep, some of those who just had a profound impact on my life, uh, I would not be here uh, for sure doing this job had it not been for so many of them. But no. there's just a, man, there's just a, there's a certain spiritual dynamic I learned from Jack Gray. And I think that's a good, and Luke, I'm thinking about your question about how do we just keep access to that second floor in this world. Because I think um, in my spirit, there you see what I did there? Um, it's this sense of like, please be part of a church. Please don't just watch online mm-hmm. if possible. Mm-hmm. If you if that's the way that you can interact with us, we're so glad we offer mm-hmm. that. But if you can get your booty to something in person, correct? whatever, th- you're shaped by people mm-hmm. in ways that perhaps – um, just streaming mm-hmm. church right. will will not shape mm-hmm. you into who you might want to become, or God might want you to become. Again, if that's if that's the way that you need to have life right now, then man, we're so thankful that you're and still tethered to us. We're going to do our best to make it as formative as we can for yes. you. Yes, and 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 dynamic, not just static, but in general, especially if you're a y- younger. I'm thinking about the younger crowd who it's simpler to maybe stream like a celebrity pastor. And they're probably not listening to this podcast, but you know what I mean? Um, so whatever the qu- equivalent of that is for those listening. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just stay in bed this morning. I'll listen to the sermon, but not go to worship. I'll, I don't know, do a devotional via podcast. You don't get prayed over That's by right. Dr. Gray. That's right. By just streaming mm-hmm. the service. That's no. Right. It's like a young guy came into me yesterday, grew up in this church, hadn't seen him in a long time. And um, he and his wife had a new baby. And... um and the baby has had some health issues, but is doing better now. And he was here with his parents yesterday. And um, and when I first saw him, I didn't recognize. I hadn't seen him in a while. And you know, he comes up to me and he says, "Dr. Wiles." He told me who he was. I said, "Oh my goodness, dude!" And he said, "We've had a baby." Mm. And uh, mm. and he just looked at me. And he said, and I, I, "We don't live here anymore, but I I just need you to see my baby. And I need you. You're you're my pastor. Mm. I need you to. I need you to." Hold me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. He could have stayed home and watched me online. The guy, I mean, the kid knows me. I mean, gosh, I've been his pastor for his whole life, mostly. Yeah. And, uh, but. But he can't. Uh-uh. You can't. Was, there's something. I, I couldn't touch his baby. Yeah. 
yeah. and, and see the tears in his eyes and, and me look at him and tell him, you know what, dude, I'm proud of you. I love mm-hmm. you, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, um, it meant something to him, you know, that somebody who's been formative in his life, you know, in his teenage years was celebrating something monumental mm-hmm. in his life. And so, yeah, this, uh, there's something about being in this, these spiritual moments and spiritual connections that, um, you know, uh, if you miss out on them, man, you miss out on them. But if you experience them, they change your life. Yeah. God you. uses them. Don't yeah. They? Yeah. You know? And look what he's doing around the world. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about it. Seriously, when, I, you, when you look at all that, my goodness, y'all. Well, I love what you did with that because it reminds us that this story is so much bigger than our local church. It's so much bigger than America. This story, this story has never been solely about the United States That's or the exactly West. right. So when we see these stats of religious decline, A, know that we are working on it actively, and you are, can be a part of a church. We're going to launch some groups that help you do this really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can be a part of that. But also, this story's never been about us. Christianity's right. always been global. I mean, mm-hmm. Christianity made it to India, we think, with Thomas. We mm-hmm. think Thomas took the gospel to India. Mm-hmm. And so in southern India, the Indian Orthodox Church has been around since like A.D. 50. I was about to say. Um, we, yeah. There's archaeological evidence that Christianity made it to China by the year 100 and then to Japan not long after that. Mm-hmm. It went all over the world to southern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just continues. There's such a bigger story mm-hmm. at play. Mm-hmm. And it's growing mm-hmm. rapidly. Yes. And you think about, I'm thinking about um, your story in the sermon yesterday, and it's my neighbor that you were talking about, Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad, yeah, Chad, yeah, mm-hmm. Hollander. Sorry, mm-hmm. Chad Hollander. Mm-hmm. But Chad called me last night because he was like, "You got to hear the whole story," and and it was encouraging. But it's even better than the way I told it. <laughs> uh, well, it's his story to That's tell. I mean, I mean, in some I mean, ways, you know, it, you yeah. want to respect his well, sure. somewhat privacy, but mm-hmm. he told it in detail, and it's amazing. But what you told this part, and when you're talking about the the church, has always, I mean, it's been growing since the beginning. But mm-hmm. there are people. In the uh, literally the uttermost, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you are down a road that you ends are. in the middle of nowhere Correct. that a lot of people don't even know about Correct. the country existing and Correct. think about its people. And someone just says, "How do I follow the Jesus way?" I mean, <laughs> right? Someone just says to Chad, <laughs> "Right? How do I?" And he didn't say this is. He's talking about an Old Testament story, Correct. and someone in English says, "Well, can you tell me how to follow the Jesus way?" Yeah. I mean, the church, wow. however you want to word right. it. Yeah, I just think um, God. Mm-hmm. Represented in the spirit mm. through the mediation mm. of Jesus Christ mm. shows up yeah. where we didn't bring him. You got it. We didn't say his name out loud That's so they right. could learn it and then say it back to us. That's right. It's yeah. just bubbling up in ways yeah. that we can't explain. And I think yeah. we met him there. It's like Paul going and saying, him. you have this yeah. statue to an unknown God. Let right. me explain what it yeah. means. God was yeah. at work. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's the, look, and you mentioned this before we hit record. It, and that's it's a missiological kind of truth that God's at work. Mm-hmm. We just join him. Mm-hmm. We we get to, yep. if we're in tune, mm-hmm. join him. Right. Yeah. And, and it's then, amazing. And if you're not in tune, you miss it, which I think, right. you know. So in that village, just that, not too far from that village, there's another village where we have some believers there. And one of them is um, um, just, you know, you get to know him in heaven. I mean, he's just an incredible man. And so he becomes a follower of Jesus. And... um and so his name is Umaru. Well, Umaru and his wife have their first baby, and they get to the naming ceremony in the village, and, um, and it's a big deal to where they announce the name. And so the chief calls Umaru out in the middle of the village and says, what is the, what is the name of the child? <laughs> John the Baptist is what Umaru says. 
well, that is, and the chief said, well, this is not a family name. And John and Mara says, nope, it's not a family name. Wow. He says, uh, but it's the name I'm giving my what child. And he says, I'm naming him after a man in the Bible. He said, this man in the Bible was the forerunner of Jesus and brought Jesus to his people. And he said, my son, I'm naming him John the Baptist because he's going to do that for our village one day. He is going to show everybody the Jesus way. And the whole village is stunned, you know, and you're sitting there thinking, these are the kind of people that are living in these places. Yeah, this is real right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is not mm-hmm. some story somewhere you read in the Bible. This has just happened, not you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, I think about folks like that. I mean, shoot, y'all, there's a tribe <laughs> in the Amazon rainforest that is watching our church service on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> Is there? Which, yes. I didn't know this. Absolutely okay. crazy. <laughs> or, I mean, I think about our our friends that go into um, closed Muslim countries, yes. and they go into mosques or places yes. of worship, and they say, anybody having a dream about a man in a white robe? And yes. then people say, oh, yeah, I am. Can yeah. you explain that to me? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, that. And they say, oh, it's Jesus. And they say, oh, well, that makes sense, because <laughs> da 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 you know? Our college associate, Memory Jora, was on here a few weeks ago while you were out. Yeah. That's how she met Jesus. Oh, yeah. In yeah, a dream. Yeah. We forget. Someone on our staff met right. Jesus. In a dream. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Once it again, happens. the spirit, y'all. Yeah. And so if you, you know, if, if you're not going to be tuned into it, my goodness. It just, reminds me. Sorry, boss. I didn't mean spirit. to cut you off. But right. of the Screwtape Letters, the C.S. Lewis book mm-hmm. about, he, he just talks about Western or in his yeah. English right. uh, life and how how chief demon is talking to his, you know, sub-demons mm-hmm. about just keeping people distracted so they don't engage with the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they can win mm-hmm. the world, you know. Right. And that and seems quite— What a great strategy. Yeah, and that's that's their whole strategy. I mean, mm-hmm. not their whole, but there's mm-hmm. great lines in that book right. about just— uh, yeah. You can just keep them playing right. with, you know— mm-hmm. I guess the modern would be like, keep them on the PS5. Mm-hmm. Keep them bickering right. about politics, that's and you're right. good, you know? Yeah, and when you live in our society, you know, I, I still contend this, is, this, this experiment that we're in is unprecedented in the history of the world, where you've got a free church and a free society on the scale of America. It, it's just never happened before. And so— it's not just free church. It's just free religion. In other words, you've mm-hmm. got freedom. Yeah. And uh, my goodness, look how distracted we've gotten. And, and also mm-hmm. look, look, look where we now look to for answers. I, I, I agree that we should be concerned about political things. I, I, of course, I mm-hmm. believe that. But to believe the ultimate answer yeah. is found there. That, that's where I, I just can't. You've crossed a line there. It's not the ultimate answer is part of an answer mm-hmm. but i can't stake everything it, yeah if it's yeah. where you put your yeah, hope. it's like oh uh, um bill moyers um he spoke at seminary when i was there years ago and um he um he became the um was he the um like he did the handled the press for lbj is that right i think that's what he did i can't remember oh, y'all even know bill no. moyers y'all are so young no i'm sorry, sorry. but anyway mm. I, I think that's what he was for president well he, he did his degree in ethics at southwestern and it was you know feed the poor the new deal and all that and he man he thought this is the answer so mm. he kind of hitched his wagon to lbj mm-hmm. no no disrespect to lbj he's a politician mm-hmm. here's what it is but he was known for being pretty profane, OBJ was. Right. And um, and Bill Moyer said one day it just hit him, you know, when he just heard this string of expletives from LBJ and what he was planning on doing at, at some level. And Moyer said he just thought, my goodness, I've, I've, I thought this was the answer and I have hitched my wagon here, <laughs> you know. Mm. Nothing against LBJ's politics, but he said, oh, my goodness. Yeah. He said it was a turning moment, turning point. They were having prayer one day. Um, in the White House, and he was praying, and LBJ said, speak up, son, I can't hear you. 
and Moyer said, that was a moment for me. And he said, I stopped. And I said, well, actually, I wasn't talking to you, sir. And he said, LBJ got the message. Mm. Moyer's was like, I'm a man of God. And I realized this is not the ultimate answer. And he looked at all of us and said, y'all are going to be tempted to believe this is the ultimate answer. And he said, I want you to know I've been there. I've been in the West Wing. It's powerful. It provides what's needed. God obviously Mm -hmm. ordained human government. But the ultimate answer is the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never forgotten that, you know. And so, but look how distracted we can get. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Yeah. And uh, whoever invented cable TV has really helped us. No, the (laughs) 24-hour news cycle. (laughs) So, um, but anyway. It's maybe demonic. Yeah. That's why I want the heavenly (laughs) news network. I want it to be in place. Yeah, you've been plugging that. You've been plugging that. (laughs) So, uh, to give reports about what God is doing. Tune in. Yeah. So, it's good. Yeah. Well, I think in our own world, maybe as as we close this, uh, people listening and for us, what's distracting? What needs to go away for a bit? You know, it's kind of a form of fasting. Mm-hmm. What do you need to put down so that you can hear God? Yeah. We've all got something, surely, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I would just say, too, if you're looking to live a, a life in the Spirit, which all of us, I think, would say, we want you to live a dynamic, power-filled life in That's the right. Spirit of God for the sake mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. May it be so. <clears throat> just take a second, and when you encounter something, and just ask, and I think pray directly to Holy Spirit, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, where are you in this moment? What are you up to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And be open for what comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, and yield yeah. to it. That's what I think, too. Amen. I'd say amen to that. Good place to end. <clears throat> well, well, join us next week. Mm-hmm. Love this has been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.